The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We are coming to you live here from Salem, New Hampshire. And I feel like it hasn't been just us in so long. This is so fun. I kind of feel lonely. Yes. but I feel a little awkward having to talk with you now. <laughs> All right, we are going to talk about prepping for uh, disasters, emergencies, preparing for the worst. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. <laughs> Cigar and all, he does it. Um, my quirky tip today, we just got these for a client uh, who's an elderly client, and it's hard for the prong collars. If you use um, prong collars with your training with your dogs, obviously we Sounds are fine barbaric. with that. Don't start. Sometimes, we always recommend using Herm Springer, but sometimes it's hard to get those links apart. So Katie's Especially buckles. If, if your hands are a little arthritic or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, that's why we always get these for the older clients. Or so if you're Katie's just really weak. Buckles, stop it. <laughs> Katie's Buckles um, has a nice product that can clip on and off. This is for um, the medium size, but it comes for the small size also. And you can find her on Instagram or katiesbuckles at gmail.com. But um, I really, I, she's actually really close to us. She's like known all throughout the States and I can just drive and pick a few of these things up, but I like them. So that's our quirky tip for the day. Scotty made me homemade kombucha. So after the break, we're going to test that out. We haven't tried it yet. We're going to, our producer isn't super big into kombucha, but she's going to try it with us. I'm adventurous. Yeah. She's, she's ready to rock. Experience. You've yeah. got to get some mushroom cultures and it starts growing into this massive loogie. <laughs> In the tea. <laughs> it, oh, no. took, it took like 14 days. It was crazy. And then you so, got to filter it out. Yeah, and then we put flavors in it. So we're going to sample the strawberry peach after break just to lighten things up a little bit. Because this is kind of a heavy topic today. I feel like we'd normally try to be light and airy, but this well, is a little bit more serious. Well, why we decided to talk about this? Well, um, there was a pretty big, um, a well-known breeder in the States had um, a fire in, the States, in their or? house. Yeah, in, yeah. in uh, Missouri. And uh, there was a house fire. And um, it was very unexpected. I guess it started on their porch and Aren't the house went up really quickly. Yeah, but like there, it's not even like smoke alarms set it off. There was like a pop outside, I guess. And um, they unfortunately lost five of their dogs in the fire. One is still missing. Um, I believe it's a tri-border collie and everybody's looking, you know, doing a rescue effort. They did own multiple dogs. So, you know, a, a few of the dogs did get out safely. And luckily the owners don't have lung damage or anything. But it really got us to thinking and talking about our own situation and everything else. And then we wanted to impart some of the ideas that we've come up with in these different scenarios onto you guys to maybe help you prepare and think about it more also. Yeah, they're not new ideas, but the things that we don't think about. Yeah, you know, because the things you don't want to think about. Life is always going along in a merry, cheerful way. Certainly is <laughs> at in least, our home. At least when you're married to Scott, it is. Um, no, but seriously, you you don't want to think about these things. And, you, and that's, I guess that's why this has struck, especially the dog community, in such a deep way, because they've raised a ton of money. I've actually put the Amazon gift uh, wish, the wish list gift thing in the, the link in the description, if you guys want to contribute to that. But um, like, everybody's just like, oh my God, that, like, that's my worst fear. And I don't even like to say those words, because that is like one of my worst fears. Like, I couldn't imagine that happening especially if we weren't home. But it does get everybody thinking and maybe prepping and doing more. So let's start with... Well, knowing us, we'd get all the dogs out and then say, where are the kids? <laughs> 
The kids aren't home anymore. Don't even listen to him. All right. So let's start with fire. We're going to talk about a few different um, disasters and scenarios and everything else. So we're not just talking about fire safety the whole time. But we even jotted down some notes to be as prepared as possible. So uh, with fire safety, what are some of the things that we came up with? Well, the first thing I thought of was, you know, when I was a kid in school and just said even in college, they had fire drills on a fairly regular basis, certainly a few times a year. I can remember... The bell would go off in the middle of the day. Uh, the teacher would tell us ahead of time that there's going to be a fire drill, and all of us would march out into the playground and push each other around, and it was a great way to get out of class for 25 minutes or so. But the reason for that is that they could teach the kids to march out in a single file and then have them all accounted for out in the playground, make sure that there wasn't any kids left in the building, and when everybody was outside, they'd end it, everyone would go back in. And it's just to get everybody kind of comfortable with doing this so that God forbid there's a real situation, everyone marches right out the way they're supposed to, the way they've done a dozen times before. So I was thinking, you know, we should come up with a little drill for our dogs because we are a dog-heavy household. Most people have one dog, maybe two dogs. But, you know, we have several dogs. And um, so we came up with some, uh, you know, a list of things that that we would do. And even the thought of doing drills is just like yeah, kind of something that we haven't considered. That. But we said, like, we should know, like, in X amount of time, I can do this, you can do that. If this stairway's blocked, you know, we can head here. Like, just to have drills in general so you're actually even, going through you know, those motions. The fact that I make crack in the upstairs <laughs> and there's explosives, there's a lot of stuff it going can get, on. It can get super yeah. dangerous, super quick. The okay, other thing so we were thinking about was... let's come up with a few was, of these things that we were talking about just for this house fire issue. Well, one thing, uh, first and foremost, just a little safety tip here. Check your smoke alarms, obviously. Ours yeah, go make, off in the middle of the night. Carbon monoxide. Shut up, you two. Ours are very touchy. Luckily, we're happy that they're so touchy. Around and, the kitchen, they're very touchy. And the dogs are very used to hearing them. They're like, oh, mom's the, the oven got to a certain point. Here we go. But... Um, the kind you of know, counter condition when they go off, they run for something to eat. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes it'll happen in the middle of the night that even the carbon monoxide detector or whatever will go off and we're up and we're looking around like, is everything okay? So first things first, check your batteries, check all your alarms and make sure they're all functioning on every level of your house. And I know we all have that one that's right outside the bathroom and it's so annoying because the steam from the shower sets it off or the one in the basement that's temperamental. Better to be getting up at 2 a.m. twice a week than to be having some sort of tragedy. So first and foremost, we said if check you're your batteries. you twice a week for no reason, you got to check your <laughs> alarm system and get that fixed. <laughs> Ours does go off in the kitchen literally five days a week. Um, the other thing we talked about was um, the... Where is your fire point I was going to oh, say... Oh, here you go. A lot oh, of leashes. People, we were talking about leashes. Well, have a sticker on the on the door. Yes, that is one. That, that is a says, good one. Um, they, that there's they animals sell in the them. house. They sell them, like for the fire department. Like, yeah. let the fire department know we have X amount of dogs, X amount of cats, X amount of birds. At some point in Amesbury, when we lived there, I just thought, well, I can't actually even write the number that we have in the house anymore. So I didn't have that. And I just held personal responsibility. But if you have a reasonable amount of animals, you can have these little signs just to let the people coming for the rescue effort know. But for the most part, if you can help get the animals out yourself, that's going to be the best solution in our opinion. Leashes were a big thing. I think leashes are a big thing because I'm surprised how frequently I go to someone's home for a first time evaluation to work with their dog. And they can't find a leash. I say, put a leash on, get your leash, put your leash on your dog. And they're like looking all around, like with their thumb up their butt, like, oh, where the hell's the leashes? And the reason they don't use a leash is because they may have a big backyard. The dog's always and loose the dog's in the backyard. And the dog's never in a, in a leash in the house. They never walk the dog yeah. out in front of the, on the street. 
But the problem is if there's an emergency situation, you want to get a leash on that dog to control a lot of fear they may have because you're getting stressed out. They may run into the fire instead of out the front door thinking they're going into the backyard or they may get stuck somewhere. You want to be able to control your dog. If you can't pick them up physically, you definitely want to make sure that you got a leash you can put on the dog. And if they're crated, which that would be the case for our household, if they're crated, your leashes are going to be separate from the crate. So like our leashes, a lot of them are by the door. If there's a fire near the front door and we can't get to the leashes, we need extra leashes. So leashes were a big thing for us. Um, Having one spare leash, you know, per crate, per dog, just so we can have them there and clip them on. And frequently our dogs don't even wear collars in the house. We just, um, if we go out, of course, they have identification and stuff, but we don't really have collars on all of our dogs. So So maybe even slip leads. Yeah. The slip lead is a nice, the same kind of thing they have at the vet. You go in, they have a a $2 slip lead with their logo on it and they slip them over the dog's head and they bring the dog in and out on that. Better safe than sorry. It's just nice to have these things and be thinking of these things and have these things available. So all of our dog's crates are going to have leashes on them starting this week. We're going to be practicing drills. We have leashes all over the house. We do, but we don't have the amount that we may need in that type of situation. Another thing Scott brought up, and this was a good point, We luckily, with our upstairs, we have two different stairways. If you are a household that only has one stairway, I remember when I was little, I had like that ladder that you throw out the window under my bed. And I thought to myself, how am I going to get myself and the dog and anything else out? But you guys should have one of those. If you only have one stairway and it's blocked off and you're sleeping upstairs, you should have something that, what do they call them? Just... What do you mean? Emergency, emergency ladders? Yeah, rope ladder yeah. or something like Something that. like that, that you have that that's better at least that you can get down, go halfway down. If there's two of you sleeping upstairs, like I could maybe hand a 25-pound dog off to Scott, but that's something to consider if you only have one stairway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing that I just do want to mention, and Scott mentioned this briefly, is you know, you don't know how the dogs are going to respond in that moment. And it was funny, a few years back, there was this big thread about like, what's a trained dog on Facebook? And it t- turned into this whole to-do And somebody said, well, you know, I'd expect my dog to come in every situation, maybe not a fire or something. And someone who was actually in 9-11 piped up and said, you know, it was the most important that my dog listened during an emergency. But no one knows what's going to happen when the dogs have a full-on emergency. So yes, you can practice your listening skills and everything else, but better safe than sorry. So you, it's the unknown and everyone's scared and there's a lot of stress going on. So you don't know. Your training may not be what the level that you're expecting. You think, oh, my dogs will be fine. You don't know. We don't know. I I don't feel confident in those situations. I was going to say the last position you want to be in is where you've gotten yourself out and your loved one out safely and maybe even one or two of the dogs, but one dog is unaccounted for and you're going back into a burning building to get a dog because uh, people will do it. I mean, we're so emotionally attached to our dogs that we will run into a fire to save our dog. You brought up the This Is Us situation. This Is Us TV show. That's how the, the guy dies from going in to get the dog. But on YouTube, there's a multitude of videos, news newscaster videos of house fires. There's more than two where there was one specifically I remembered where the fire department is, the, the house is completely in flames and this guy comes running up and says, my dog's in there. He was like at work or something. And they said, don't go in. And he runs right past the cops and the fire department and, and like 30 seconds later comes out with a dog. And everybody was in his favor saying, oh, well, he's a hero. I would have done the same thing and all this crap. And yeah, it worked out great in that case, you know, but he could have died in the fire too. You know, there was another one where this, um, it was an apartment building on fire and the police said, you can't go in the house. He's like, my dog's in there. 
He ran, he jumped up on a balcony, smashed a, a glass door and got his dog out. And he got out and uh, they arrested him right away because he was interfering with an emergency situation. And he said people were thinking he started the fire because they had him in handcuffs. <laughs> they were taking him away from the building in handcuffs. And they said, did you start this house on fire? He said, no, I was saving my dog. You know, so you're risking your life. You're risking firefighters' lives by going in there to get your dog. And then they may have to go in and get you. So try Leave and do it to everything. the professionals. Do everything and, yeah, right. It, do, do it everything as right. expedient as you can yourselves. If and right, I mean that's such a strange term to use. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's just it's a moment of panic. But you know, if you prioritize drill, your if own you safety. Drill once or, and you don't have to drill like tw- three times a year, but it would not be a bad idea to go through the motions. Jess was talking about keeping car keys in another like outdoors in a in a safe spot so that if you run out you don't have your car keys. I mean that we, was the we thing. would open the car yeah. and put our dogs and crates my, in the vehicle. That's my plan all the time. But there. if the freaking, you know, key fob is by the door and it's in the fire, that's an issue. I mean, granted now you gotta actually go to the dealer and get expensive keys, but we're talking about all these things. Like we're 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 looking at things differently and situations like this, it does cause you to look at things differently. Okay, we're gonna go to break. When we come back, we're gonna taste kombucha. We're gonna talk earthquakes, tornadoes, car accidents, so much more fun. Does your dog seem anxious? Would you like your dog to relax? Do you want to feel more in control? Would you like your dog to cooperate? HowToCalmYourCanine.com That's HowToCalmYourCanine.com All right, I just had to fill Chrissy up too. So we are tasting the strawberry peach one. We also have a ginger blueberry one we made, but this is the first taste. So, honey, thank you for making me the homemade kombucha. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for sharing. Chrissy's not a big kombucha, but she's doing I'm something do special. It. Tastes pretty good. Very sweet. Mm, not bad. You got a little mother in there. That's pretty good, honey. It is huh. sweet. What do you think? Not too bad? If that's kombucha, if that's, I don't know how to even say <laughs> I think, it right. I think that's Scotty kombucha. I like it. That I mean, I mean, I'm not sure what it is. I'm crunching on. That's fruit. It, it kind it's of just fruit. Me out. I, I think it's. It is. It's because we put ginger? fruit. We put fruit right in the oh, bottle. Oh, maybe there's old ginger that's up ginger. Yeah, I think there it is needs ginger. to sit longer. I like it to be more carbonated. There's no carbonation in this. All right. Well, we don't have them for sale yet, but Scotty's kombucha is coming along. And it's that's be about our first taste. Forty proof. <laughs> All right. Let's talk tornadoes. So I'm from the Midwest. I know nothing about. Yeah, oh, that you is don't. ginger. I yeah, just there is. I know you. So he left the skin it's on the good. ginger too. He's a little bit crazy. So um, and I didn't wash it. I know. No- <laughs> I know oh, nothing no. about earthquakes. Uh, he knows nothing about tornadoes. So I'm going to cover that, and he can cover the other one. So in the Midwest, I grew up outside of Chicago. The freaking tornado sirens go off a lot. I mean, there is a season there where tornadoes are a big deal. There were many. Uh, deadly tornadoes that hit, you know, within 100 miles of our childhood home frequently. So when the sirens go off, theoretically, you're supposed to get all your stuff, go in the cellar, go in the basement, go somewhere that's safe. If you ever seen the movie Twister, that's what you do. So when you're thinking about your dogs in that regard, you brought up the point of stairs. That was an excellent point that you brought up. Well, if you're going to go down into a storm cellar type situation, a lot of dogs don't navigate stairs well. They don't do them. And if you live on a one-story uh, ranch-style home with stairs to a basement that the dog never goes they in, may not be used to it. put them on a leash and start getting them comfortable yeah, going up so and down stairs. First and foremost, condition the dog to stairs. Secondly, 
Practice going downstairs when the sirens are not going off, you guys. Don't make that the first time you go down. Not only for a drill situation, but you want the dogs to not be in a panic. Like, oh, every time we go downstairs, it's like when you put a muzzle on just to go to the vet. Like, oh, the muzzle is a conditioner that, oh, I'm going to get shots. Like, do these things so it's just sometimes like, it's no big deal. We're just going to go downstairs. Because luckily, more often than not, when those sirens go off, the storm does blow over. You are safe. The house hasn't been completely destroyed, but you want to be down there for safety's sake regardless. Can I uh, interject here with a little story I heard on the news last week? Of course. He's really watching a lot of news. There was a little... uh, Live leaks. A 70-pound dog was taken up in a dust devil. Oh, really? uh, Yeah, up 30, 40 feet in the air. That's a good reason to keep a little weight on those dogs. 70 pounds is pretty big. I I know. That's my point. I know. That's crazy. Um, Scott, well, one thing I thought is if you normally crate your dog and you don't have enough room down in your basement or whatever for an additional crate, or you don't want to buy an additional crate, get your dog used to being in more of a confined space with you because that's something that maybe while you're crying and shivering, literally though, but (laughs) that's something that some dogs aren't really used to. Some dogs are a little more independent and everything else. So something like stepping on the leash, just having them in a closer proximity. Scott mentioned tethering to something nearby. We don't want them to think like, oh, if I don't have the whole basement, like it's really stressful. Get them used to having less space where they are. Yeah, that's a good idea. All right, you talk earthquakes because you know about earthquakes. Well, it's funny, you know, being a, when I was living out in California, I was a transplant from the East Coast and uh, I experienced the 6.7 Northridge earthquake in 1992 which was pretty significant. There was some, you know, three-story apartment buildings that the whole first story was gone. It was then a two-story building after the earthquake. And, um, you know, I got stressed out about it. I was on the ground floor of a th- three-story apartment building when it happened. And, you know, paint was chipping off the walls and stuff like that. And thankfully, the building I was in didn't collapse. But the people that grew up with that stuff, they don't even give it a second thought. They're like, oh, yeah, it's an earthquake. No big deal. Because they're so conditioned to it that they're almost, you know, they're immune to it. Yeah, they're so used to dealing with but it. But certainly dogs are going to get stressed out when the house starts yeah, shaking. Yeah, and the, the pressure and everything changes. And one thing you have to consider is the safety. Well, whatever happens with earthquakes. The safety the of... <laughs> We're going to go through a, a big science talk after this. But the safety of the animals when things are falling and everything else. So, like, your crate. Is your crate going to be safe if something falls on top of it? If your little dog is – a smaller dog is probably at greater risk of having things fall on it than a larger dog. Like, is there a space in your house where you can kind of section your dog off and keep it safer until you can, like, safely remove yourself? So, these are all little things to consider and, and uh, important yeah, and, things to consider. And even things like having, um, you know, your – the TV fastened to the wall, tall hutches fastened to the wall. People that grew up in that environment, typically this isn't new to them. But if you're a transplant in that type of environment, you wouldn't think about those things. Yeah. But when big things fall over onto children and dogs, it's a problem. You yeah. Know? And you were saying, and it's a good point, just like an, a ditty bag for all of these situations, whether it be a fire, a tornado, an earthquake, something that you have, you know, have a six dogs, pack of beer, <laughs> the dog, some, some kombucha, shots, if it's bag blessed. of weed. Um, but you and know, then think about the dogs, the dogs food, there are a few spare medications. If they're, you know, on medications regularly, uh, just blankets. We were talking about that with car safety. We're going to talk about car safety next, but things that you may need in an emergency that you may not think of a quick bottle of Dasani water, something for all of these situations, because if you're leaving your house, it's going to be stressful. If you have a fire in the middle of summer, the dogs may need a sip of water before help gets there. Like, just be conscientious of these things. And having a bag for these situations is not overkill, I don't the think. Only, yeah, the only good thing about a 
an earthquake, if there is anything good, is that it happens, it's over very quick. The whole thing is going to last under a minute, and then everything calms down and you got what you got. But um, it can be very traumatic. That's All of sure. these things can be very traumatic. And luckily, we haven't gone through any of them, but it's it's better to be prepared than be caught off guard. And you're never going to be fully prepared, but this has been a wake-up call this week for so many of us to think about these things and what can we do to do better moving forward in the future. Okay, so we talked about a bunch of natural disasters. That was super fun. Now we're going to talk about um, some car safety stuff because car accidents are <clears throat> definitely another big one that happen with dogs. Um more frequently, I would say, than a lot of these other disasters sure. that we've been talking about. So, last thing you wanted to see your dog trying to run across a four-lane highway, yeah, because your, there was an issue. Your car rolled, and yeah, and yeah that kind of crap. So and that does happen all the time. It does, and we've talked about it before. We really like. They used to be the rough, tough kennels. Now they call them the rough land kennels. By far, um, the most affordable crate for what we're going for, and the lightest weight to move in and out. It's like a roto mold kennel. You were talking about having a double door. I thought that was a great idea. Well, we don't. We do have double yeah, doors because if you have some... your dog crate in the back of the car, if you get rear-ended, um, and it's not you know a catastrophe, but then you can't get the back door open. Now your dogs are locked in a crate, and the only way they can get out is through the back hatch, which is now all smashed in. So you can't get them out of the crate. So it's nice to have a door that has a back door, and a crate with thing, a back door on it. The good thing about those um, Roughland kennels, you guys, I mean, you can literally go to their Facebook page and like see pictures of cars and accidents. And those crates really do hold up well. Because yes, crating your dog in the car is super much more safe than letting it be loose. But if you have a very kennel or something, just like one of the cheap crates from Walmart and that thing rolls out of the car and breaks open, that's not what you want to see either. The dog may have been just loose in that situation. So if they're at least within a contained uh, crate when they leave the vehicle, if they're ejected from the vehicle for some reason, that's nice. And it's nice to always have uh, ID on your dogs. Yes, 100%. If you are leaving the home, the dog should have a collar on. Uh, I've shown you guys before, I like to have the names and my number embroidered on the collars, but tags, whatever else, like have identification on the dog, even if they're microchipped, microchipping, then they still have to now get the dog on a leash somehow, bring them somewhere with a microchip reader, like just have identification on your dogs. Uh, my breeder got me these, uh, many years ago and admittedly I found it in the closet. So I need to fill these and use these also, but, um, these are really nice to put on the crate. So it says dogs on board, open an emergency. So this is letting people know, like, if there's someone coming, if I'm incapacitated during a car accident for some reason. One of those adoption papers? Oh, stop it. The, the people that come <laughs> to help me and everything else can open up this tube, and my dog's information is going to be in there. So they open up right there. I can just zip tie this right to the crate. And some of the things that you might want to put in there. keep a few cigars in there, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're really lighthearted on the tragedy <laughs> podcast. Um, where did you make my little list of things to put in here? I this is why you're your not list. allowed to make the list. Okay, so some good things that could come in here. Your contact info or emergency contact info. If you're not able to be caring for your dog, who the frig do they call when they come to your car and it's all smashed up to take care of your dog? You don't want the dog just going to animal control or the shelter. Well, um, it may go there temporarily, but yeah, then but they you can want hand them the dog to be able off to, to somebody. You know, if, you're, if you have to be in surgery for some reason, when I was in my car accident, I was rushed into plastic surgery. I was in the ICU for three days. I wasn't going to be there freaking dealing with dogs if they were in the car with me. A uh, picture of your dog in this tube. If for some reason the tube dislodges from the crate and you have multiple dogs, this is what my dog looks like. This is my dog's name. 
This is his temperament. These are his medications. This is what he eats. Do not touch his collar. He'll it bite sound, you. It sounds like overkill, <laughs> but seriously, it matters. Like if there's little intricacies and little nuances with each dog, write those down. Maybe you put their rabies certificate in there. That's required by law. You show the people, hey, they have a rabies cert. You don't want them to re-up on their rabies vaccine. All of these little things. So attach these to the um, doors of the car for sure. You want to have the rough land kennels. Create your dogs when they're in the car. And then you were talking about extreme weather conditions Well, I was going to say, just to conclude with that um, crate issue, I remember about 20 years ago, I just remembered now, a girl that trained with me at the Schutzen Club I was at had a Rottweiler, and she had a pickup truck with a very kennel in the back, and it was strapped into the back. And she got in an accident, and the, the truck rolled. The crate broke open. Yeah. Her dog got loose. And, you know, she couldn't get the dog back. She was frantic. You know, those like everyone's trying to put posters up and all this crap. And finally, someone called her and said, hey, I have your dog. Is there a reward? (laughs) And tried to work her for reward. And she did get the dog back. But she had to negotiate on the phone with these people that had her dog and stuff. It's like a TV show. Yeah. But that's a good example of quality of crate matters. That dog was crated, but that door just popped right open and that dog was loose. One thing you brought up, which I do want to conclude with, was extreme temperatures when driving. And that is a good point to consider. Well, certainly in in the Southwest. I mean, I think it was illegally to even add... I saw an, uh, a news thing about Arizona last year. They were ticketing people for having a dog out with them when it was like 105 degrees. It was animal abuse to have the dog out walking around. They were hiking in the you know out in the hills and stuff. So when you're driving, you're relying on that air conditioning and the car running functionally, functioning the way it's supposed to. So you want to make sure you have water in that car. God forbid you have a problem. And I remember driving from L.A. to to Phoenix, and there's a big stretch there where there's no gas stations, there's nothing. And I ran out, of, I almost ran out of gas. I pulled into a, a rest stop. I had a new vehicle. I wasn't sure, you know, how much a tank of gas would get me. And I could see I wasn't going to be able to get the rest of the way of the journey. And I pulled into the rest stop and called ahead and got AAA out there to get me a gallon of gas. But you just want to make sure that you, you got your, your bases covered, having water in the vehicle, shade, Maybe a shade cloth, those silver cloths. Yeah, the reflective cloths would be great. But really, like Scott said, if it's a certain temperature and it's going to be too hot, don't have the dog. And then an extreme cold, same type of situation. Like have well, blankets in the gotta, car. You get somewhere have, with the dog. You know? Yeah, well, yeah. But be mindful of where you're going and when and what the temperature is going to be. If your dogs have coats, back on track coats or sweaters, throw those in the car in the winter. Maybe little booties. They never wear booties. Who cares? If you're all of a sudden out in the middle of the snowstorm and your car is broken down and you're getting into a tow truck or whatever, you need to be prepared for these things. So think about these things. We're not trying to freak you out. Um, I mean, if it's a really, you know, remote situation, you may want, wind up having to eat the dog later on. I don't know. So if you want to keep him healthy as long as possible. This is why you can't smoke cigars in the podcast. <laughs> One thing I want to close with, and um, it's the most morbid of them all yet, but What's that? have a plan for your animals if something happens to you. And this is a touchy topic and it's hard to think about and everything else, but my uncle and my aunt used to fly separately when they would go on vacations because if something happened to them, one of the planes, they wanted to make sure that the kids had a parent. That's a little extreme. Scott and I go everywhere together. We're always everywhere. We travel in a car everywhere together. Anytime we fly, we're normally together. If something were to happen to us, we have a lot of animals that need care. And we have a will designated with people who are lined up where these dogs go and what happens to these dogs. And while you never want to think about it, you never know what's going to happen. And life can change in a moment. So make sure you have a plan that's written down that other people know about. We could give a shit about our assets. They'll all go to the kids with all our assets. You know, it doesn't matter. That's the least of our concerns. But our animals being cared for if something happened to us is a big deal. So think about these things. 
We're not trying to be big Debbie Downers, but this week was a huge wake-up call for us, and we just need to be thoughtful of these things because when worst case happens, it's best to be prepared. Yeah, and, and the dogs, um, without planning, you know, they're going to experience that fear just like you are. Yeah. And dogs that are fearful do things that are very unpredictable. You know, they're running in all directions. They might be hiding in a closet. You can't find them. You yeah. know, where the hell's the dog? Meanwhile, you shouldn't even be in the building in the first place, you yeah. know? So just be thoughtful of these things. Practice your drills. Next week, we're going to have a more uplifting episode about dock diving with uh, one of our friends from New England, Kristen. And we're going to talk about her awesome up-and-coming star, Venom. In the meantime, guys, have a great week. Grab a kombucha and keep it quirky. <laughs> The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.